Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. And welcome into Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. Still, you know, kind of doing things a little bit different than we have in the past. We thought we were going to be able to take a step in the direction of getting more back to what you're used to. Not quite able to do that today, but nonetheless, there is a ton to talk about here. And a lot of this centers around Julian Humphrey. So we're going to go on the roller coaster ride here for a moment because a lot of you, a lot of you are aware of how all of this has played out here recently with Humphrey, there were some rumors that he might transfer, and then Julian Humphrey kind of put out what has kind of become the sort of modern indication that, you know, things are all good. He put out the uh, Leo DiCaprio, Jordan Belfort gif of I'm not going anywhere, Uh, I'm staying basically from the Wolf of Wall Street. That was supposed to be an indication that uh, Humphrey was going to be at Georgia for 2024. And then there was reporting Hayes Fawcett from On3 had this first, I think, that uh Humphrey after all of this kind of right there at almost the deadline had decided that he now was going to go into the transfer portal we're led to believe a lot of schools kind of got into his ear based on the timing of this it seems like that was within the SEC just given the transfer deadline to be at an SEC school and obviously you're left to conclude that must be for a huge NIL fee if that's the way kind of all of that's going to go down that's sort of what you thought was was left there when it comes with Julian Humphrey and then lo and behold yesterday we find out that 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 julian humphrey is actually not leaving uga it was our buddy rusty manzel from on three who had this first that uh humphrey is coming back to georgia in fact i want to show this on the screen here uh, a couple of things first of all on the right side of the screen there or uh you're going to see the picture of New cornerbacks, Coach Dante Williams, uh, Will Muschamp, others all gathered around Humphrey. So Georgia goes out to visit Julian Humphrey there in in the state of Texas uh, with the uh, talk of him, you know, perhaps not being there anymore uh, and perhaps leaving to convince him not to do that. That was obviously a successful uh, trip for Muschamp and Williams and others uh, just simply because of the fact that we know Humphrey later on decided to stay there. And the quote uh, that, that Julian gave to Rusty about why it is that he's, that he's going to stay at georgia he says i know with a great year at georgia i can get to the nfl they put this out on x i know with a great year at georgia i can get to the nfl the more i thought about this why would i leave georgia for a couple of more bucks so there you go julian humphrey essentially with that quote two on three uh rusty manzel essentially confirms what appeared to be true all the entire time which was thought about staying in georgia at the last minute somebody swooped in offered him a bunch of dollars but ultimately he's left to conclude well if you're having to pay me this money right now that means you're not developing your own cornerbacks and so therefore if you're not developing your own cornerbacks are you going to then develop me my goal is to get to the nfl so let me stay at georgia because i know the system i'm comfortable here uh i believe i have a chance to play here and so therefore let me bet on myself by staying here to place like georgia because when you look at kamari laster and other players that have come through this program pretty clearly there is a very very substantial financial reward on the other side of all of this when it comes to uh you know staying in georgia and moving on to the nfl draft from there that is seemingly what julian humphrey has sort of said about all of this now let me talk directly to fans for a moment i think this is a better story than some of you want to give it credit for and i get where some people are coming i really do 
there are some people who are like, this is just too much for me. This is this is too crazy for me. Are you in or are you out? And it has sort of seemed like the Humphrey thing, with all due respect, has been up and down and in and out. And everybody's sort of like, oh, my gosh, if anything speaks to our current moment more so than this, I'm not sure what it would be. So as a way of trying to explain here for a moment about why I think this is a good story for Georgia, let me acknowledge that if you think all of this is incredibly weird, you are not crazy. And sometimes there is some value in just kind of pointing out that you are not crazy for noticing things. And when you notice just how bizarre and kind of uh, out of bounds compared to previous years and previous eras of the sport of this all is, you're not crazy for noticing this. And to kind of bolster that point, let me show you this. If you're watching on video on the screen here, there are a lot of Georgia players who had, I would say, a little bit of fun with this entire story on Instagram, one of those being uh, Javon Bullard. And Bullard is the kind of guy that fans like because he's like Mr. No-Nonsense, play the game the right way, you know, made a name for himself as a recruit, you know, without a whole lot of glitz and glamour, just like with a really hard work and tenacity. And I'll show you this on the screen. Bullard kind of called – I don't want to say called out because that's that's being more harsh than it is. But basically <laughs> – basically you know something effect of and you'll see this on your screen you know basically uh uh you know saying something effect of well are you are, are you staying or are you going and he's like you're about to kind of and he's did, used a different word but you're about to tick me off here a little bit he says uh you know cousins about to and i'll say tick me off he says man is you leaving or not and there were a lot of other georgia players who kind of had some version of the same thing going on with like oh my gosh this is a crazy story so even even Humphrey's own teammates sort of acknowledge how weird all of this is and how even in the day and age where like weird stuff is happening in college football all the time, the sort of in and out, in and out nature of Humphrey and the 2024 roster for Georgia is probably a little extra weird in all of that. There is just kind of an a sort of an attempt to acknowledge all of that here right now. And probably Javon Bullard said that the best of all. But that said, even with the roller coaster ride of yeah he's staying no he's leaving yes he's staying no he's leaving i'm telling you right now this is still a very good thing for georgia because talented players like julian humphrey are guys that you do want in your program in fact to give you a little bit more context for this let me let you go back and hear kirby from like right at the beginning of the season right before georgia's first game you know kind of where things are with julian humphrey you know kind of what they were seeing from him as this year began because Back in 2022, when Humphrey was here for the very first year, you didn't hear much about him one way or another. You're kind of left to wonder, well, you know, what does that mean for a guy like that who's just not kind of generating a lot of chatter at all? You know, Jaheim Singletary was kind of in the same vein, and then, boom, Singletary was gone. But Humphrey chose to stick out after his first year and eventually started to stick out a little bit, you know, during practice, so much so that at the beginning of this year, Kirby Smart did kind of acknowledge uh the talent that Humphrey had and the work that then cornerbacks coach Fran Brown was trying to do to bring all of that out this is what Kirby said about uh Julian Humphrey as the 2023 season began here's Kirby yeah, I think Fran's done a tremendous job with Julian he's a, a fast guy that came in kind of raw uh talent um and not played a lot of the techniques that we're teaching in terms of uh you know multiple coverages he played a lot of man and uh, he's grown as a player. He's gotten tougher. He's gotten more physical. He still has not arrived. Um, he still has you know moments that make you wonder what he's doing. Then he has you know wild moments. He's made some really good plays in camp, but he has to continue to play in and, and kind of 
buy into the process of getting better at that position, and, and he'll get better because he's, he's talented. So I think that's a really good description from Kirby Smart there about what Julian Humphrey is as a player. A little bit raw, a lot to learn, a lot of ways in which he needs to grow, and over the course of his time at UGA, he has been growing. And obviously, Georgia believes that he can take that next step with his growth. Otherwise, they wouldn't be working as hard as they've worked to keep him in the program and put him in a position to do all that here in 2024. And this is why I think if you're a Georgia fan, you have to be really happy about this because we had a couple different kinds of coaches right now. Almost every coach looks at the current landscape of the sport and realizes something's not quite right about the sport the way that it's all playing out right now. There's something about this sport right now that needs to change. In fact, Kirby Smart the other day kind of got on his soapbox a little bit after the Orange Bowl about you know the bowl opt-outs and things like that. There's a lot of examples where coaches sort of get to their breaking point and they have to kind of scream out and say, y'all, the way that we're operating business right now is just too weird. It needs to change. And every coach right now is being forced to endure tons and tons and tons of change. But But here's the thing. What Georgia is showing you is, and what Kirby Smart and Dante Williams, the brand-new cornerbacks coach, and Will Muschamp, who's been working with the defensive secondary, what they're showing you is is that even at a time in which the sport is dealing with wild, radical, massive change that in some cases may not be changes for the better, that within the confines of trying to put a team on the field for the upcoming season – and be as good as you can be with the players you're able to have, George is showing its ability to roll with the punches and do what is required. Confront reality on reality's terms, and that's really valuable because if you look at some of the social media responses to all this or what commenters may be saying in our live show here right now or what you know people are saying on message boards, things like that, there's a certain sense in which fans get – to their wits in more quickly than coaches do and fans want to say oh man i don't want this guy on this team if this is the way he's going to behave i don't want him on this team but you don't want your coaches to behave that way you don't want your coaches to have as short a fuse as fans do because while you would love for reality to function that way that if you're not all in then you're out if, if you're not 100 percent bought in then you're out that's the way that you wish the world functioned, but the actual reality is a little bit different than that. And in fact, I'm going to say it this way, that if you're a program like Georgia and you want to set a really high standard to say, okay, we're going to take very talented players. We're going to ask a lot from them while they're here. We're going to make them physically and mentally tougher, put them through a grind that other programs will not put them through. And on the other end of that, they're going to reap the kind of financial rewards that are also rare as well. If that's what you're going to ask from players, that's obviously not going to be for everybody. And there are some people who disqualify themselves to begin with. There are some recruits that take a gander at UGA and decide, you know what, I don't want this. This is not for me. They sort of self-select and they sort of disqualify themselves to begin with. There are others who are like, you know what, that is for me. I, I, I kind of consider myself to be a little bit of an alpha. I kind of consider myself the kind of someone who thrives in tough conditions. I want to be around other great players, and I want to stand out uh, ahead and on top of those other great players. And so, therefore, they are attracted to Georgia because of all of that. And we, for the most part, kind of fully understand that. But here's the thing I believe the Humphrey story kind of brings to mind, is you've got to have room as well for kind of a third category 
that if you're a Georgia program, if you're a Georgia coach, and you're setting a really high standard for what you're going to ask for players, you have got to have some room for the category of undecided. Because anybody who signs up too quick, anybody who says they buy in too quick, there is a real big risk that player has done so without, you know, to use a phrase made famous from somewhere else, without fully counting the cost. Like there is, you know, there is a chance that if 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 Georgia's a tough place and a hard place, and if you don't, if if you buy into that too quick without fully counting, you know, the cost of what that's going to require, then you've made a decision that's going to end up, you know, cost you anyway. So you've got to have some room in a category for undecided, and that's what Julian Humphrey was for a while. He was sort of undecided. I'm not sure if I want this or not. Later to conclude that that's obviously what he wanted to do, and then. The other part of this is is there as well. The Georgia coaches kind of confront the practical reality that, and if you've ever worked in sales or if you've ever, you know, done anything like that, you understand this, that it is far more efficient to kind of keep the clients that you have as opposed to go out there and chasing new clients. It just is. So if Georgia loses Julian Humphrey, they got to go out and find another Julian Humphrey. And this is why, you know, fans are like, ah, oh, man, I'm done with this. This is, you know, this, this guy's not bought in, whatever. They want to be a little bit more critical. They want to have a shorter fuse than the average coach does. Georgia coaches can't afford to do that because they know all of this is roster management. And when you think about a, you know, potential NFL level cornerback, well, if you lose Julian Humphrey, well, now you got to go out and find another NFL level cornerback. And it's not that Georgia can't do that, but it's way easier just to fly to Texas and re-recruit this dude because you've already won this recruiting battle like three times. <laughs> you've already recruited him and convinced him not to transfer like twice. So clearly you know how to win this recruiting battle because you've done it three times before to go out there and convince him for like a fourth time to either come or stay at Georgia. That's way more efficient, even though it seems like a lot of work to fly out there and you know battle some nil offer and things like that it's way more efficient it's probably 10 times more efficient than having to then go out on the open market or in the future recruiting class or something like that and try to do all this all over again so the georgia coaches kirby smart himself has said so much the georgia coaches obviously see a reality in the sport right now where this is not the way that i want things to be this is probably not the way that i think things should be but this is also a Georgia coaching staff that's willing to confront reality on its own terms and willing to negotiate the modern age, how the cards are actually dealt. And I think that's a very good thing. There are a lot of reasons not to like some of what college football is right now. That's just a truth. That's just a reality. But even as the sport kind of has its sort of unsettled foundation we still want georgia to thrive those of us who are uj fans we still want georgia to do well we want georgia to figure out the competitive part of this while the rest of the sport sort of tries to figure out the i guess the foundational aspects of the rules and how all this is going to work we still want georgia to thrive in the environment no matter how chaotic the environment is and the ability to hold on to Julian Humphrey, the ability to kind of put past the idea of, I can't believe you got to recruit your own roster every single day. Well, guess what? Get over it. That's the way things are right now. That Georgia has figured that out, and they are seemingly doing that pretty well. Not every guy in every situation, but most guys in most situations, Georgia is still figuring it out. That Kirby Smart is still a young, hungry football coach and still a guy that's willing to just sort of roll with the punches and ride the roller coaster up, down, and everything else in between so we may not like the circumstances that caused julian humphrey to be in and out and in and out and ultimately in for good we may not have liked those circumstances but if you're a georgia fan i believe you should love the outcome 
I think you should be glad that the Georgia coaches are capable of uh, creating an outcome like that, even in the midst of all of these weird times. And this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and I'm Brandon Adams. And thankful to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making the show possible. Uh, big time uh, job they do, uh, obviously, in taking care of folks in what can be one of the most challenging situations you're ever going to deal with here. And I take this really, really seriously especially as we start the new year you know holiday times of year can be really challenging if you feel like you're in a relationship that's coming to an end and y'all know how i feel about this and you know if you can work to save your relationship i believe that's a that's a work that's worth doing but i'm also once again to kind of keep the theme going we had a moment ago i'm also a realist which is some of you have tried that some of you have tried every single angle every single option you've done everything you could to save the relationship and you've now gotten to the point where you perhaps think that the relationship is just not salvageable. I get that part of this there as well. So what's the next best thing? For someone facing less than an optimal situation, what is the next best thing? Well, I believe the next best thing is to have a strong advocate on your side, the likes of which that Meriwether and Tharp I know can be for you because Bob Tharp's a good friend of mine. And I, I see the work they're doing for people on a regular basis. And you know, we've been talking to you about them for a long time now. And one of the things that we can tell you about Meriwether and Tharp is the care and the service they've been showing to folks in the Atlanta area for a long time. They're now expanding that out and showing that same level of care and concern to people all across the state of Georgia. Offices coming up in Savannah and in Athens and you know soon probably all over the state there as well. So it's a new website for you to connect with for our friends at Meriwether and Tharp if you believe divorce is an unavoidable next step for you or if even if you think that it might be and you want to have a conversation what that might mean for you. Check them out online. It's georgiadivorceteam.com. That's georgiadivorceteam.com because Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. Now, let me say one more thing about this, and then we're going to move on. One of the things that people have perhaps the most questions about when it comes to the divorce process is the way in which you're going to pay for it. What is the financial or sometimes cost certainty that you seek around something like this? Well, once again, Meriwether and Tharp understands that, and they understand for different people, different options make more sense. There are some people who this is sort of a quick, simple thing. Everybody's on the same page, and so therefore it's quick, it's simple. Well, Meriwether and Tharp can offer you kind of a DIY divorce process here that can be you know very affordable, as low as $99 in some cases. Others want something that's a little more hands-on than that. They call it the M&T assisted model. You can get that for as low as $1,749. How about the model M&T level of service? This is an interesting thing and probably the most, uh, I guess, popular sort of, of the menu of service they offer, perhaps the most popular here right now. It comes with the opportunity for like a monthly subscription. If you'd like to pay that for the ongoing process here, if you want to pay a flat fee, you can do that there as well. And if you want traditional coverage, obviously, they can offer that for you there as well. But just please find them online at uh, georgiadivorceteam.com. That's georgiadivorceteam.com for a lot more on that. Right, we're going to get Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a moment. Really strong stuff with Terrence here on the Julian Humphrey stuff and everything else that's going on here right now. But prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse. And I want to take some time to celebrate the conclusion of a career for really an amazing Georgia Bulldog. Yesterday, it became official and final that Cedric Von Prine Granger, the longtime center at Georgia, and really one of the great players that's played at UGA during this national championship era, his career at Georgia is coming to an end. And I want to show you this on the screen here. Connor Riley had a great story up with Cedric Von Prine Granger. And uh, there was a quote in there that from SVP that I just think is really strong. And I wanted to share this with you here for a moment and kind of using this as sort of a way of looking back on 
what an amazing career it's been for SVP. So we'll put this on the screen. I'll read it to you. This is the quote that Connor got from uh, Cedric Von Prahn about how he'll remember his time at Georgia. He says, I think the thing that will stay with me the most is the joy we brought the regular person, the regular average person from Georgia. The joy we were able to bring to them and just bring to the community will stick with me forever. That's the one thing I took seriously because I know the pain and struggles of not getting what you want and dealing with that. To have uh, brought some some relief and joy to other people is an amazing feeling. And I'm not surprised at all that Cedric said something as wise and as kind as that. That's the gentleman that I feel like I've seen Cedric be many, many times before. And I can tell you that one of the things that I've always wished is and, and hoped for on behalf of the Georgia players is that they could have some sense of just how much they mean to the sort of everyday Georgian, the sort of Georgia fan that's out there, just to have some sense of what they mean to them. In the case of Cedric Von Prime Granger, you certainly get the case. That is what's true. That, that, that SVP really does get that and really does understand just how much Georgia football means to Georgia football fans and how proud those of us who are fans are of these guys like SVP who represent the program at such a strong level. And, you know, SVP has been showing this level of wisdom really the entire time he's been at Georgia. There was the thing we played for you about you know, a couple of months ago now of him talking about his great memories of the national championship and things like that and the interaction he had with another dgd nick chubb and once again to sort of further the point of just how special a guy like cedric von prime granger has been his words and talking about the interaction with nick chubb memories from that national championship and how proud he was and how much he believed those dogs that had come before him had laid the foundation and the groundwork for all this to take place once again that's very much in keeping with the kind of guy svp was the entire time he was here so as we celebrate his career and his legacy let's let you hear from him going back to november here for a moment I can still remember um, in the locker room after Nick Chubb telling me, man, because I, I remember I went up to him and I was just thanking him for everything he did for the university. And um, I just remember him telling me, like, nah, man, thank you. I can finally sleep again. Um, and that was one of the coolest moments I've had at Georgia is just having a legend like that, you know, come to me and, you know, just be thankful for something that we had accomplished as a team. So that was a great moment. So let me give you a practical reality here for a moment. A, Cedric Von Prahn's a good dude. We all know that. Uh, a guy that Georgia fans will have, you know, terrific memories of for a long time. I mean, I expect this got to be like a multi-time Pro Bowl. I mean, this is just one of those guys who just who are good at football, and he has the kind of like mental makeup, the intangible characteristics that make it more likely that a guy like that would succeed in football. That's just, you know, sort of what he is. But beyond that, there's another point I want to make here for a moment. When the nucleus of your locker room sounds like that when it talks, when, when, when they talk, you know, an SVP talking about, you know, Nick Chubb and the respect he had for, you know, previous eras of Georgia football or the respect that, that Cedric Von Prong Granger has for the fans who devote so much time to the program. When that's the way the nucleus of your locker room sounds when it talks, then you can tolerate some silliness on the periphery if you just will allow me to just be candid here for a moment. You know, you can make room for a couple of risks and a couple of gambles. You can have a couple of guys. You're not quite so sure if they're fully bought in, but they're talented, so you're going to give them a shot. You can take some risks on the sort of outside edges of your locker room when your nucleus sounds like that. That there's also a value when you've got that level of leadership and that level of, of guy willing to sort of pour into what it means to play Georgia football that gives you a chance to 
tolerate some silliness in the transfer portal every now and then. Take a little bit of a risk on this or that. It gives you just a little bit more freedom to be able to do that kind of thing. And so ultimately, that's one of the real values of Cedric Von Prahn Granger there as well is is that he just keep and, and guys like that keep the the locker room culture strong enough that Georgia can endure some of the craziness that sort of exists during this day and age in which we live. So clearly a great guy, obviously a terrific player and a legacy certainly worth celebrating. We'll make that around the doghouse here today on Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And with that said, we'll get ready to transition right now and bring in another great dog, uh, the uh, record-setting wide receiver from UGA, Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. And Terrence, we appreciate you joining us. A little bit different than you sometimes do and obviously a lot to talk about there. We just got a chance to hear from uh, a little bit on Senator Von Prime Granger and one of those guys that made that NFL announcement yesterday. Terrence, you were a good player. You're a coach now. When you see guys like SVP come in here for four years and literally a great player, very strong player from the word go, terrific career, always saying the right things, always doing the right things. Do you have an extra appreciation for that? Because as a player, you know sort of how hard it is to live in the spotlight and never really mess up, never really do anything other than contribute positively to the team. I mean, to, you know, to me, SVP is one of those guys that ought to be celebrated as among the best that's been at Georgia during this national championship era. What do you think when you see a guy go about his business that way? Oh, I love it. I love the guys that come into Georgia um, and, and do it, everything that he said he was going to do from day one. Uh, he stayed grounded. And my biggest thing that we're losing from SVP is uh, has nothing to do with his talent. It's his leadership. I think he was one of the biggest leaders on the team, especially on that old line. And um, that that's what we're going to miss, his, his voice in that locker room. And now someone else is going to have to uh, take his place. But I'm going to miss his leadership. Uh, and his uh, and just his professionalism and the way he went about his business as a, as a bulldog. Anything else about the draft declarations that have taken place thus far that have stood out to you? I'd say that to this point, we haven't had any huge surprises. I was a little bit hopeful that uh, Lad McConkey might come back, but ultimately expecting that he probably would go to the NFL now that he now he is. Kamari, no surprise there. You know, Javon Bullard, another one of those guys. I would like for him to come back, but I, I get why he's leaving. Tyke Smith, maybe no surprise there. Uh, thus far, it seems like everything in terms of the guys that have left, for the most part, this has all been pretty much as expected. Is that kind of where you see that? Yes, I think everyone that's uh, declared for the draft is the guys that I assume that would – declare for the draft and uh, especially Javon Bull I think his his uh his draft stock I don't think he could get any higher or lower he is with who he is as a player so I just think he go out right now why he's, why he's hot um we, we're gonna miss him I think he was a terrific player terrific leader um and lad I I, I assume lad would go out to kind of 50 50. I wouldn't be surprised either way with Lad, but I'm happy for Lad from where he's came from. Um, one of the guys that no one wanted, thought was wasting the scholarship on. Now he's one of the fan favorites, and you just root for guys like like Lad McConkey. No, that's exactly right. Now on the flip side of that, you've also got the potential here for some good news for Georgia, where there's growing chatter that like Nazir Stackhouse, Warren Brinson, maybe both those defensive linemen come back. I think people are expecting Dominic Love and Ra Thomas to be here next year there as well. Tate Rallage seems like he's probably going to come back too, that 
that there is, I think, a thought out there that some of those guys that could leave are going to come back. And boy, the vet, especially the defensive lineman, probably more than anything else. But the veteran presence of those guys that I just mentioned, you know, there is still some room here for Georgia to get some pretty good news in terms of veteran players who could leave, who could try their hand at the NFL, but are going to come back and give it a go one more time for Georgia. Most definitely. But I think, uh, you know, having that experience on the defense line is going to help. I really like the young guys that we have, Christian Miller, uh, Jordan Hall. I really like that group, and I really like the way that they grew up this season. But I think Tate Rowlett is a big one. Um, having to replace uh, um, our center, now we have yeah. an experienced guard. The right there on his right side will help whoever uh, takes over that center position, like going to be Jared Wilson, Jared Wilson, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, so to having a, a veteran on his right and his left is going to go a long way with the offensive line calls. Um, so Tate would be a, a really, really big uh, addition if he comes back. Uh, to shift gears here, do you think the Georgia coach is going to be popping champagne bottles once it gets to midnight tonight when the transfer portal officially closes for UGA? And people who uh, understand that a lot of teams have a slightly different portal window because every team got a five-day extension, you know, kind of after January 2nd for when they played their bowl game. So the NCAA uh, end of the portal window is January 2nd, but Georgia's was five days past December 30th, and so that's tonight at midnight. This has been a wild ride for the coaches, and I would only assume these Georgia coaches will be very happy once that midnight time frame comes and that portal window for Georgia officially closes, and they can watch, I guess, what Alabama squirm around for a day or two more. But uh, but for Georgia, that portal window closes tonight, and Terrence, I'm guessing the Georgia coaches will be pretty happy once that time gets here. Most definitely. I think uh, you know this is one of the times where – Kirby and company has to to re-recruit their own players. So that's that's a new thing in college football where you you got to re-recruit your team players that's already on your team and try to convince them that Georgia is the best place for them. And with uh, the Humphreys kid, I, I think Georgia is the best place for him. I'm happy that he decided to come back because I really like his potential. Um, his speed is one thing that uh, is his his strong suit. Um, so I'm happy that he he's coming back because you can't have too many uh, good defensive backs the way teams are throwing the football these days. So I'm happy that he's coming back. But I know that Georgia staff is is excited and elated that they can turn the page on something else and try to focus on uh, the young guys that's coming in and, and this team for, for next year. Well, the other thing about the Humphrey thing, too, is is that – this is a guy that you've already vetted. You know he's a good athlete. You you know he's the kind of player that you want on your team. So to me, you know, it just makes more sense to go out and even if you don't love the idea of re-recruiting your own players, better to re-recruit a guy that you already have a relationship with as opposed to starting a brand new relationship from scratch, some sort of cold call with some other, you know, guy you don't even really know. You know, if you can get a capable potential NFL level cornerback on your roster by re-recruiting one of your own dudes better to do that than have to go out and sort of invent a relationship from scratch somewhere else right oh most definitely you know he they're you know invested in this kid they they recruited him they brought him in they they've done everything they can to make him his stay at Georgia um everything that they say that it would be and I think it has so far and that's why you see that He's staying, and from what I've been told, that he trusts his curve, and I think that goes a long way, and also with Muschamp. So um, he's going to compete for one of the starting spots, and why not compete for a team like Georgia, one of the 
the best teams in the country, team that's probably going to be one of the favorites next year to uh, compete for a national championship. So why not do it here? So I'm happy that he stayed um, because he is a talent. How about beyond that? You know, you've expressed to me before some concerns about the transfer portal. You know, you're one of these guys, I think, that has sort of a foot in two different universes from the standpoint of you work with a lot of current players. You understand their plight of just trying to find a place where they can play. And sometimes even, as you've said on social media, sometimes even their current team, you know, is sometimes not exactly, you know, you know, Sometimes they're sort of encouraged to go into the portal, so we know that there's a. It's just a challenge. We talk about the challenge of the program, but it's a challenge to be a player too, because you've got four years to find some place where you can play and maximize your potential. And as someone who works with players, you get that. But on the same, you know, token, you're also from the same generation as some of us, and you know, all of this radical change around college football. I've heard you say on the show before, you're not quite so sure how good all of you know that is for the sport overall. Like, what do you make of the craziness that we have been seeing, and the fact there seems to be kind of no end to that in sight? What do you make of that right now? The, the first thing I think about is the players get the bad rap. I think the social media fan base is uh, just just you know tear apart the player when they really don't understand that it could have been coach's decision uh it could have been and this is the thing about it right now that a lot of people don't understand it's a lot of adults behind the scene is making these decisions yeah. because of money so it ain't just the player wants to leave or this player is leaving it's a lot of things behind the scene that's leading players to leave and it's just not the player's decision. And that's what I want a lot of the people to understand that, yes, we're tear down the player. We, we call them all type of names, but it's the adults in the background for a lot of the times that why players leave. Not the only reason, but that's one of the reasons. Coaches decide that they're no no, no longer wanted. Um, then, then the player wants to, to change. So there's a lot of things that goes into this this movement. I think everyone, um, including myself, like I would love for players to have free movement, but I don't think this is this is not what I thought about. I think like Joe Burrow was a good example of the portal being a success. Uh, the quarterback at Washington right now is is what the portal is, is made for. Uh, you got kids who's at their institution for six months now they're leaving. That's just not. You, you haven't even got time to compete for an opportunity yet. Now you're leaving. So there's some good and the bad along with, with the port. And college football has definitely changed. And us older folks have to get up with the times because it's not going back to what, what I love and, and about college football. Well, I think you're bringing up an interesting point on two sides. On, on the one side, A, maybe some players are a little too quick to want to, what you might describe as sort of abusing the process a little bit. Maybe that's the case. On the other side, as you said, you know, the idea of like the Michael Penix thing is actually a pretty rare occurrence, right? Where it's like if you're a program and you're saying, well, you know, we may not have recruited very well, but that's okay. We'll go out and, you know, bring all these guys into the transfer portal. I mean, Terrence, you know, look around at how few teams are really truly changing their fortunes all that much via the portal. Michael Penix is the perfect example of a guy that was in Indiana, goes to Washington, and now he may win a national championship. Some people would say maybe should have won the Heisman Trophy. The guy who did was also a transfer quarterback, too. But there's like a hundred and something quarterbacks in the transfer portal right now, and most of those guys are not going to play like Michael Penix. So it's just kind of interesting that while, you know, the 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 players are trying to figure their stuff out, you know, for the coaches who sort of see the portal as a little bit of an easy button, I'm not really quite so sure how many examples there are to actually, you know, prove that's a, a, a valid point. Uh, I, I, I'm with you right there. I think you, you build and grow. Um, as everyone knows that I call myself a talent developer. 
it's it's not an easy fix. You got to work overnight to become who you want to become. And um, I'm okay with you know going and plugging a, a guy here and there, but to build your team, it has to be developed within. I think Kirby has done a great job. Of, yes, we went out into the portal and got players, but majority of the players that have success at Georgia's guys that he's developed um, along the way. So it's about development. Um, some schools, you know, their their philosophy is going out and try to get the best players in the, in the portal. But one thing I can say about, I guess it's the culture that Georgia has built is that these players love Georgia and they love yeah. playing for Georgia and love playing for uh, their teammates. And that's one of the things that I saw, especially with Georgia playing uh, against Florida State, that these guys truly believe in the Georgia brand, not saying Florida State didn't, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just talking about George specifically, yeah. that you're seeing that they love playing for the G, love playing for the dogs, and you saw that for the bowl game. No, I think that's a really interesting point. Speaking of the bowl game, let's talk about that here for a moment. 63-3, to Georgia sets a record for the largest margin of victory in a bowl game, actually breaking the record that Georgia had set last year in the national championship. Terrence, what did you think about all this? As I tweeted, I you know I'm gonna take every win that the Bulldogs take. Well, I I didn't personally enjoy the game. Um, scoring 60 points on that team just didn't do it for me. I, I tweeted that just had back and forth with people. Some that love every second as a former player, as a competitor. I want to go out and beat your best, and that wasn't Florida State best, and it wasn't Georgia fault that Florida State didn't put their best out there. So they went out and did exactly what they should have done. Went out there and played Georgia football, and and uh. The, the results show that you saw one team that was invested and one team that wasn't. Um, but I wish Florida State had their their starters, and I would love that game to would have won that game by 28 points. That would have been better for me because mm-hmm. I know we played their best. and We didn't play their best, but I'll still take the win. Uh, the 60-point victory don't move me whatsoever because we, we wasn't playing their best. So I get where you're coming from on that, and I don't deny the game was a mockery, right? It was, this, was a, this was a sham of what's supposed to be competition. I get all of that. But I do put some of this on Florida State, which is you can't lose by 60. Like, you know, I, I get the idea that you're heartbroken about not making the playoff, and I, I get – I mean, I thought that Mike Norvell was at least very good at being very honest and candid throughout the week about just how much that frustration does linger for the program. They're going to work to make sure that doesn't hurt them in the future because of how real that is right now. I actually respect a guy like that who is willing to be so honest, but you can't lose by 60. You know, you, you know, opt-outs, whatever else, you got to be more competitive than that. So, to me – you know, it's not a full shrug, what are you going to do, as much as it is, okay, this does demonstrate a little bit of a difference because we believe that Georgia had every right to be uh, mad, too, about not making the playoff. In fact, we would say that Georgia has even a better argument for why it should have made the playoff. And yet, somehow, some way, Georgia still figured out a way to take care of business, uh, even against a sort of depleted version of Florida State. But some of that depletion, I think, sort of speaks to I hate to say it this way, but what it, what is it? it's just sort of a different level of commitment overall at a place like Tallahassee. I think so, and a lot of the better players are transfer players as yeah, well. So, good point. Do 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 we really have that you know that Florida State Seminole blood in you when you was there for one year and you went to try to improve your draft stock? So that could be one way you could look at it. And all the Georgia players was probably had a, a bad taste in their mouth uh, from the SEC championship game. And I think they had a lot of motivation. Florida State had a lot of motivation to prove people wrong that we should have been there. But it goes back to the Porter kids and how invested are you? Are you there to try to 
you know, help yourself or you're there to help the university. I think Georgia was there to help themselves and the university. I think Florida, a lot of the Florida State players were was there uh, for themselves, and they moved on to to bigger dreams. And I, for one, am never going to be mad at a, a, a guy that opted out to pursue their NFL dreams because that's the dream we all had. Um, but you also see, on the other hand, how how t- together Georgia is and was in that game. And the time we have left, I want to talk about a couple of players from the game because I'm curious of your opinion on this. We can do this kind of quick if you want to. Like, how happy are you with the way that Kendall Milton finishes his Georgia career? This is a guy that battled injury, fought to get back, dealt with a, a big spotlight because he was obviously a very heralded recruit and kind of a guy that was just always good at kind of cultivating attention. People have always really liked Kendall. He's always been very popular, and that popularity sometimes can be a pretty big spotlight to have to live in. And, you know, by the end of his career, he's fully healthy playing great kind of I think auditioning very well for the NFL how happy were you to see Kendall go out on such a high note for the end of his career very I think this is what the Georgia faithful uh, saw out of Kendall coming out of California and unfortunately he couldn't stay healthy I'm just so happy for him because I for one have been critical of him and um, his injury history but I also saw the talent in him and I'm happy that the last go-around he got the opportunity to put good film out there for the NFL guys to show that if I can stay healthy and that's going to be the knock going into the NFL is his durability. But if he can stay healthy, this type of running back that you're going to get, a, a big guy with great vision and power to finish runs. So I'm very happy the way he finished his career. And he he went out on a, on a high note that – we all can say um, that this is the kinder that we expected this whole time. Speaking of high notes, how about Lad McConkey's uh, touchdown? It starts off being what's going to look like to be a, a wide receiver uh, throw. Then he tucks the ball and runs. I don't care who you're playing against. I don't care if you're out there playing against air. You know, doing what McConkey did to find the end zone on that play. What a punctuation mark on his career. A guy who was always such a just sort of a highlight waiting to happen. And that final moment from McConkey in the Georgia uniform will stand out as one of the most memorable memorable place for him during his Georgia career, I believe. Yes, I think so. That's just indicative of a type player that Lad is. So uh, his improvised skills is, is off the charts. Uh, I, I don't think people give Lad credit for his ability to run after catch with the football, and that's probably one of the strongest suits of his game, and it's going to translate into the NFL. So I'm so happy for Lad. I text his father the other day, and I text Lad just congratulations on everything and just – uh, happy that I was a small part of his development early on, and I can't wait to see him um, and see where he get drafted and, and see how his NFL career goes. And speaking of uh, guys that you've touted, I'll leave you with this. You know, you've obviously talked a lot about Dylan Bell over the years, and it sort of feels like he's got next right now, doesn't it? I mean, I thought he had a couple of amazing moments in the Orange Bowl there too, and a guy that's had some really nice moments here this year. I think and we're going to have to be careful not to get too much out in front on this, but I believe that Dylan Bell is going to have a very big spotlight on him throughout the offseason, and expectations, I think, are going to be sky high for him in 2024 as one of Georgia's perhaps prime playmakers. You've obviously seen this from him even before he came to Georgia. Uh, what do you make about the next phase of Dylan Bell here at UGA? Uh, I love it. I think he's going to be, you know, the start at X next year, I think he's going to be our version of, of, of Debo Samuels because of the way he plays. Um, I just love the way that, that Georgia can feed him the ball. And I, I would love for them to continue to put him in the backfield, put him in all spots 
um, on the field. So teams just can't key on it, but you got to continue to use his versatility as a player to maximize what we think he is as a player. Terrence, great stuff. I really appreciate it. Your insight on Georgia football is always so valuable. And now we're in 2024 and the seasons for people are done. And I know you're a couple of weeks away from getting that bubble work going. The same stuff that Ladd McConkey's done with you before and so many other guys who've come through Georgia, the same work they've done with you during the offseason. That next generation of pass catchers can do the same thing here coming up this winter. So for people who are ready for that and ready to, now you're going to put them into work now. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get some out of them. But for the people who are ready to kind of dedicate that level of uh focus to their careers how can they get in touch with you online yes like i said i'm a developer so if you're looking for development guys that's gonna it's it's gonna hurt a little bit it's gonna be grind it's gonna be painful but at the end of the day you're gonna see the results you can find me on all social media platforms at terrence that was wide receiver academy can i just say this too before i let you go i you know we don't typically do this over zoom you are so uh kind to want to just roll with the punch whatever you need i gotta tell you you look great you got great lighting you got great signal <laughs> like i look like a corpse on uh this video feed today uh, but you look fantastic so uh credit to you for rolling with the punches but also you look great on zoom today terrence i really appreciate that oh thank, oh, thank you you know it's just like i'm a team player whatever needs to be done i'm gonna do it just for the betterment of the team terrence i appreciate that we'll talk to you soon okay thank you Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Good stuff there, Terrence Edwards. Uh, always happy to have the former dog here on the uh, program and also happy now to transition to you. Cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Nice to hear Terrence talking a little bit about uh, you know some of the things that he liked from that Orange Bowl uh, going back to last week. Really, really valuable from Terrence. And obviously, we'll have that conversation ongoing with you certainly in the weeks to come there's still a lot to unpack i think from kind of where guys who played in that game left off with a big year to come for the upcoming season that is fun to think about something else that is very fun to think about is cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean now many of you know i have got a royal caribbean cruise vacation planned just a few weeks from right now i gotta tell you i am more than a little bit ready to be in the caribbean to be a perfect day coke okay and be on board icon of the seas largest cruise ship ever constructed a couple of y'all have sent me some uh, info on this i guess it was spotted in puerto rico and some folks got some photos of it and what's cool is is that you know it's the biggest ship they've ever done but it's also a new category of ship that means that if you've kind of gotten used to some of the stuff you'll see on the oasis class ships and by the way our dog nation cruise this year going to be on an oasis class ship uh then you know you kind of take some of the i guess the inspiration from that but it's also kind of a redesigned ship which means it's going to look and feel different than any other cruise ship that royal caribbean's ever put together uh and and put into the market that means more specialty restaurants more specialized you know kind of first class entertainment the thing that royal caribbean's probably the most known for in kind of the family crew space is the uh, entertainment offerings they provide this is going to be another example of that here on board icon of the sea so can't wait to be a part of it and can't wait to have you a part of that there as well jessica slater terrific travel agent specially selected for us by royal caribbean she can tell you all about that you can email her at jslater at dreamvacations.com that's jslater at dreamvacations.com you can also Go to royaldogs.com there as well. That's a website that she's put together, royaldogs.com, and that'll give you all the information you need about the Dog Nation cruise coming up in really just a couple of months, uh, April of 2024. So she's got you covered on all that. So you can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Or check out royaldogs.com. You can get all the information you need there on 
that. All right, let's cruise around the SEC now and give you a couple of uh, headlines here for a moment. We could about to see a pretty interesting battle take place between a couple of SEC teams. One of the SEC teams that has been on the rise this year has been Missouri. Well positioned, we think, for more success in 2024 as well. But the problem is, in the SEC, when you're doing good things, other people are going to notice and they're going to want to, in some cases, copy your success or in other cases, just sort of flat out steal your success. We may be seeing an example of that where LSU is moving off of Matt House as its defensive coordinator. And by the way, even though it was a, a victory for LSU against Wisconsin in the uh, Tampa Bowl game the other day, sort of a weird moment after the game where you know House was going around and talking to some of his players. There was some video that was unearthed of those players, in some cases at least one player, not being all that happy to uh, interact with House. It seems like he was not very popular with some of the LSU defenders and obviously perhaps with good reason LSU just was not very good defensively and Brian Kelly no choice but to move off of Matt House really a disaster as defensive coordinator for LSU and so the obvious question is well Cable if you're moving off of House then what is next and there are some reports out there that what might be next for LSU is Missouri defensive coordinator Blake Baker that they apparently have targeted Baker as their next guy clearly Missouri as of late played much better defensively since Baker has arrived and so if you're a program like LSU you're going to notice that now a couple of good uh, a couple of points to make here first of all you know the success that Missouri has enjoyed ought to be noticed because obviously Eli Drinkwitz is a little bit of offensive minded coach they play at the kind of you know pace that you know offensive minded coaches sometimes like to play at and it's not always easy to pair that with good defense the 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 style of play that Missouri has shown Georgia fans will tell you this and Georgia itself will tell you this you know that that Missouri brings a a toughness to the defensive front here you know uh, Missouri probably got in Carson Beck's face this year almost as much as anybody did until the final game of the uh, sort of final notable game of the year for Georgia against Alabama and in 2022 Georgia clearly got all it wanted from Missouri there in that spot so they have found a level of defensive toughness that offensive minded coach like Eli Drinkwitz can't always find and I guess you give Baker some of the credit for that but on the flip side of this LSU is a program that all of a sudden is a little bit of the need of a win they obviously got the Heisman Trophy for Jaden Daniels and it was really interesting at the end of that um you know season in that push to make Daniels the Heisman Trophy how aggressive LSU got if you're driving around going to downtown Atlanta that day for the SEC championship you saw some of those digital billboards up all over the city really kind of pushing Daniels for the Heisman they put those I believe I know they put them out in Las Vegas and the side of the Pac-12 title game they were kind of putting those billboards in spots where conference championships were being played because they wanted Daniels to not be forgotten you know on that conference championship weekend ultimately I guess that campaign and this the play of Daniels this year earned the right for him to be the Heisman Trophy winner but beyond that there's just not a lot to show for Brian Kelly's second season on uh, campus there at LSU so much so that people have been wondering well if Kelly got a chance to go take the Michigan job would he want to do that um it seems like you know that's not a given obviously there's a chance that if Michigan were to lose Jim Harbaugh they would just promote Sharon Moore from more with from within but putting that aside this is an LSU program that just kind of needs something good to happen for it. that after winning the SEC West and Kelly's first year and having a lot of playoff expectations for year two they didn't come close to matching that and 
the last three head coaches that LSU's had have all won national championships. And so that's clearly why Kelly is in Baton Rouge. He left Notre Dame for the purpose of winning a national championship. LSU wouldn't hire him if they, unless they thought he would win a national championship because that's what LSU coaches are expected to do. Well, right now, after two years, seems like LSU's kind of off that pace here a bit. So needing to be aggressive and flex and steal another SEC team's defensive coordinator. That might be just kind of what LSU needs here at this point in time because not only were they, you know, less successful than expectations here this year, think about where they're located out there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They're closer to Texas than they are the sort of geographic center of the current SEC. And the western quadrant of this league is about to get bigger and also tougher. You know, AM's hiring a new coach. Texas and Oklahoma are coming into the league. Uh, you know, obviously Arkansas is sort of betting on another year of Sam Pittman but the point is is that sort of western portion of the SEC is about to get really really challenging and that's the geographic area that LSU is closest to so this is about to be a tough run here for LSU going forward and obviously getting its ducks in a row is pretty important so this is not a done deal it's only kind of a rumor and report right now but perhaps looking to Blake Baker as its next defensive coordinator story worth following Seth McLaughlin the embattled Alabama center appears that he is putting his name in the transfer portal. Alabama lost a lot of guys to the portal in the immediate aftermath of their game. Everybody deals with this right now. Alabama just had it happen later because of the fact they uh, were playing in the college football playoff. McLaughlin probably the most notable there. Now, I do think there are some other interesting names for Bama going to the portal. I'd say Malik Benson, the junior college transfer at wide receiver, who came in this year, never really made a bunch of noise for Alabama. That could be a name worth watching because there was a lot of buzz around Benson before the year began. For whatever reason, it just didn't materialize here this year. But the point is, the case of McLaughlin did not have a good year snapping the ball, taking a lot of the blame for how this Rose Bowl game played out. And listen, he had some low snaps. The final game, the final snap of the game was a low snap. I don't like the idea that he's going to be scapegoated as the reason for the loss. And frankly, I do think Alabama maybe even Nick Saban in particular, could perhaps do more to shield him from some of that. I'm not saying that looks, this is, you know, big boy football, obviously, you know, there's going to be some criticism. You're going to, you're going to be okay being in the spotlight here, but you know, the idea that he's kind of wearing the, 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 the blame for the loss. And then right after that, going to the transfer portal, it seems like there might've been a way to handle this situation slightly differently than it's being handled. Even if him moving on is the uh, right thing overall, but uh, certainly noticeable that the guy that's getting the most criticism from Alabama fans so quickly after the game decides he no longer wants to be at Alabama. Is there something they could have done to perhaps, you know, absolve him from some of that when it's not obvious that McLaughlin was in any form, the only reason why they lost. And by the way, you know, given the issues he had during the season the fact that he was never replaced you know it makes it hard for me to want to put the blame solely on him but certainly noticeable that he does go into the transfer portal yesterday and then finally there's this speaking of coaching changes it also appears that South Carolina is on the verge of firing its running backs coach Montario Hardesty who many of you longtime SEC fans will remember former running back at Tennessee uh been running backs coach at South Carolina looks like they could be ready to move on there on that and in the ongoing discussion of you know players these days and they're you know want to transfer all the time it is important to note that one of the things that if you really do talk to like the average player you know recruits who want to go play in college football or you know players that sort of the maybe perhaps the lower kind of the middle rung of the sport one of their most significant and substantial concerns is who's my coach going to be 
and is the guy that recruited me here is he going to be in the guy that stays here that's one of the things that coaches probably or I should say players probably have the most concerns about and you know this window we're about to move into kind of post transfer portal post for the most part signing day although there's still the february date to come you know it almost seems like sometimes there is a second coaching carousel window that sort of emerges once players are locked in and I would say in some cases this kind of stuff can't be helped perhaps that's the case but it is an important thing to keep in mind that I would say that I'm a traditionalist and you give me a choice of should the system be you know torn down or the system be protected I would say for the most part in a binary choice like that I'm in favor of finding a way to protect the college athletics amateur systems if we understood it I don't like too many chaotic transfers but if you want to take a little bit more of a pro player perspective on some of that, situations like this are worth pointing at where, okay, signing day is over, portal window is closed, and suddenly defensive coordinators perhaps leaving Missouri to go to LSU or South Carolina is bringing a new running backs coach. This team's going to do that and that team's going to do that. There's going to be more of this to come. That's one of those things that players throughout the years have said, just tell me who my coach is going to be and tell me how long you're going to be here and be honest with me about that. And that's one of the deals that has, you know, kind of worked against players in the past. And one of the reasons why the idea of the transfer portal gained initial popularity is because players have been dealing with these uncertain circumstances for quite some time. And uh, perhaps another example of that coming from the SEC here will make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And with that said, we'll get ready to wrap up our program here today. Do so by giving you a golden shoe. Always a lot of fun, and uh, a lot of folks continue to have some fun at Alabama's expense when it comes to all of this, including South GA Dog, who's in a couple of uh, sort of funny memes about Alabama losing. One of those sort of a Yellowstone theme deal of being taken to the train station. Certainly seems like that's the case. And also an invitation to Bama fans to watch the national championship game on the couch which is what they'll be forced to do and so just keep this in mind in honor of kind of what south ga dog is talking to you about right there is that ultimately when alabama fans now try to talk trash about beating georgia all they're really bragging about is just sort of playing the spoiler role from what would have been georgia's third straight national championship season now they did win the game and they do have i guess some right to brag on scoreboard there but ultimately it's nothing more than playing the spoiler role for what would have been perhaps the georgia national championship now that alabama is just like the rest of us watching the national championship game on uh, tv there on monday so funny stuff from south ga dog we'll give him a double golden shoe for that for two pretty funny memes and those lousy stinking gators 1153 days since they have beaten the georgia bulldogs that's our gator hater updater and that's a number that we love to watch keeping on climbing each and every day we hope you all have a great day and we appreciate you being here we'll see you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp